Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. The children of your servants shall dwell secure. Their offspring shall be established before you. Those are verses 25 to 28 of Psalm 102, which is the psalm appointed for today, Friday, August the 13th, 2021. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm your host, John Green. Thanks for being along. We're continuing our look at the life of David in our Old Testament lesson with 2 Samuel 15, verses 19 to 37, looking at the the life of Paul in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 21, verses 37 through chapter 22, verse 16. And then in the Gospel according to Mark, the 10th chapter, 46 to 53. So to go back to David, remember what's happened here. David, uh, son Absalom, has basically declared war on David and declared himself to be the king in all of Israel. He did so by corrupting and co-opting the people. He did it by lying. He did it by um, winning the people to himself in a way that was only self-aggrandizing. It was not helpful to the people. It was only helpful to Absalom and his ambitions. And so here we have the fruit of that is David leaving Jerusalem. And as he's leaving, there's a there's a man with them named Etai, who is from the Gittite people. And, and David said, why do you also go with us? Go back and stay with the king. You're a foreigner and also an exile from your home. You came only yesterday. And shall I today make you wander about with us since I know not where? Go back and take your brothers with you. And may the Lord show steadfast love and faithfulness to you. So David's saying, look, you, you don't have a dog in this hunt. You're not, there's no guilt going to be. Uh, assumed by you because you're a foreigner. Absalom's not going to take it out on you. He's not going to assume that you're a Davidic guy. There's no reason for you to come along on this uh, exile. And so Etai says, no, as the Lord lives and as my Lord the King lives, wherever my Lord the King shall be, whether for death or for life, there also will your servant be. David said, go then, pass on. So he passes on by because David's standing there watching these people go past. And so Etai and all his men and all the little ones who were with him passed by. And the land wept aloud as all the people passed by. And the king crossed the brook Kidron. And all the people passed on toward the wilderness. Abiathar the priest came up. And behold, Zadok also, another priest, came with all the Levites, bearing the Ark of the Covenant of God. And they set it down until all the people had passed out of the city. And David said, no, take it back. Take the Ark back into the city and put it where it belongs, in the tent that's been made for it. And if I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, then he'll bring me back and let me see both it and its dwelling place. But if he says, I have no pleasure in you, behold, here I am. Let him do to me what seems good to him. David's taking responsibility for this, but he's also kneeling at the greatness of God and the omnipotence of God. Um, He he says, David, that God knows things. And whatever God knows, whatever God's decision is, is a sovereign decision of his. So let it be to him as it may. Whatever seems good to God is right. So David is submitting himself fully to the the will of God, no matter what that might be. But he knows the most important thing is for the ark to remain where it is, because the ark doesn't belong to David, it belongs to the people. It belongs to them and not to David. So it's not some source of um, witchcraft or something like that, which is what Saul had them do one time is to bring the ark to the battle when things were going badly and the ark got captured for a long time 
because of that. And so David says no to that. Not Absolutely not going to happen. So Zadok and Abiathar go back to Jerusalem and take it with them. And then David goes to the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went, barefoot, and with his head covered. I mean, David's in mourning. He is in mourning. It's a pitiful sight to think of the king weeping, walking barefoot and with his head covered as he goes out to the Mount of Olives. And there's another scene in the Gospel right? That, that's at the Mount of Olives. It's Jesus weeping in that place. And it's where he's ultimately betrayed. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's praying. He's weeping uh, like blood coming out of him. And then at the Mount of Olives is where Judas has the betrayal. And so we, we see this same sort of image in the king here, the Davidic king, the one from whose line Jesus comes from. The, the messianic king will be a better David, essentially. And here David comes to the Mount of Olives and the people had their heads covered and they went up weeping as they went. And so he's leaving the city. That, that's the outskirts of Jerusalem. And he was told David Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, oh Lord, please turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. So he, he knows that Ahithophel's counsel is wise. And we're going to hear that in a little later in the story. But, but it is wise counsel. And so David says that's dangerous. So he prays to the Lord to turn that counsel into foolishness. And so David's coming to the summit, summit where God was worshipped. And behold, Hushai, the archite, came to meet him with his coat torn and dirt on his head. And David said, if you go with me, you'll be a burden to me. But if you return to the city and say to Absalom, I'll be your servant, O king, as I've been your father's servant in times past, now I'll be your servant. This is David's friend. And he, David, he, David says, aren't Zadok and Abiathar the priests with you here? So whatever you hear from the king's house, tell it to the two priests, Zadok and Abiathar. And behold, their, their two sons are also with them, Ahimaaz, uh, Zadok's son, and Jonathan, Abiathar's son. And by them you shall send to me everything you hear. So Hushai, David's friend, came into the city just as Absalom was there in Jerusalem. So Hushai and, and Hittifel will, will um, collide in a story in a little bit, when, when they both give advice to Absalom about how to go out and, and attack David and destroy him, what they should do in order that he might become king via the death of his father. So the, you've got this sad, pathetic scene of David and the people with him leaving Jerusalem and, and, and basically leaving the doors open for Absalom and all those who are with him and who proclaimed him to be the king to follow and to come into the city of Jerusalem. It's a sad, sad day. It's hard to imagine the story of David including this story, right? Um, but if David hadn't sinned, and if David had watched over his children, and David had disciplined his children, then this could all have been possibly avoided, although it's it's God's will. But, but God knows everything, so he, his omniscience allows this to happen. And in his mercy and his grace... He allowed David's sins. And, and, and we can hate that. We can complain, where is God? But but we have freedom. It's not God forcing us to do these things. We have the freedom to do these things without him stopping everything. He could kill us every time we started to do this sin, right? But he doesn't. And so in that sense, we have freedom. And so David used that freedom unwisely. And this is the price for that for that sin. So the gospel today is Jesus is going, remember, he's going to Jerusalem to meet uh, his fate there. 
And so he's coming to Jericho. There's going to be a couple of stories that happen in Jericho, and one has to do with Bartimaeus here, and then, and then the other has to do with Zacchaeus. So they're, they're two important stories, and they're coming along here, and they're, they're coming out of Jerusalem, uh, Jericho sorry, with the disciples in a great crowd. Remember, these are pilgrims going to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus. Bartimaeus literally means son of Timaeus. It's not a name was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Well, what a beautiful epithet. Because he, he is recognizing Jesus as this messianic king. When he says Son of David, that's exactly what he means when he says that. And then cries out, have mercy on me. Um, that, that's exactly what the people cry as Jesus comes into Jerusalem. They, they're, they're asking, O oh Lord, save us, Hosanna. And they call him in the son of David. And so salvation and mercy are, are much the same request here. And so many rebuked him, though, Bartimaeus, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And then Jesus stopped and said, call him. And so they, the same people who told him to shut up, uh, now call to him and say, take heart, get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? <laughs> you can imagine Bartimaeus standing there and he's like, I'm blind. <laughs> I'm blind. If you can't figure that out. But no, that's not exactly what's working here. The blind man says, where have I let me recover my sight? There's many things he could have asked. This is going to change his life because we're told in the beginning he's a blind beggar. Well, once he's no longer blind, he can't also be a beggar. They wouldn't have allowed that. Um, if you were able-bodied and capable of doing something, then you had to work. And so this would change his entire life. Wanting to recover his sight, he, he could have just been begging Jesus. But but because he says, Rabbi, let me recover my sight, he's recognizing him first as a rabbi, but also one who could do something about his situation other than just give him a few coins. So he's making a statement of faith. Because he wouldn't just say that to any rabbi. Let me recover my sight. You ask what I want you to do for me. He says it specifically to Jesus because it's a statement of faith that he believes that this Jesus, this rabbi, this son of David can do exactly that. So he comes with faith and he comes with hope. Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. You're good. Your faith. The faith was the statement that he wanted to recover his sight, not get a few coins and remain a blind beggar. And so he said, Jesus begins with go your way. Your faith is made you well, and then what happens? He recovers his sight and follows him on the way. So, Bartimaeus no longer had a way. We've got to believe that, that he had once had sight, because he says, let me recover my sight. So it seems like that's saying, that, and that word would, would indicate that, that he has had sight previously. And so he would have had a life. He would have had, had whatever. But, but here, Jesus says, go your way. He does exactly what the uh, rich young man would do. He followed Jesus on the way. He's going to Jerusalem now with Jesus, part of the apostolic band, as it goes to this horrible scene that awaits. But how awful would it be to recover your sight and then to see what happens on Palm Sunday and then see the events of what happens Thursday Friday? It's an awful thing. And so Bartimaeus might have wished at a later date that he had never recovered his sight based on what it was that he had to see next. And that is that the, the crucifixion 
the vilification and the persecution of the man who had given him his sight back. He knew who he was. He knew who Jesus was. <clears throat> and so his faith, that statement of let me recover my sight, was what, what made him well. He had faith in Jesus that Jesus could do exactly whatever he asked. So in the, in the Acts passage, Paul, remember, has, has come to Jerusalem and the, the, uh, the church fathers there, would have been the apostles, um, required him to do something. That, that was to take some people who had taken a vow and take them to the synagogue and fulfill the vow and pay the fee for the end of the vow. <laughs> and, and they arrested him because he was falsely accused of bringing Greeks into the temple and teaching people to hate the law of Moses. And so he's been arrested after um, the, there was a huge uproar of confusion. Some people were saying one thing, some people were saying another. Ultimately, that they arrest Paul. And then he, he's bring, coming into the barracks where the soldiers were. And he said to the tribune, the head of the, the cohort, may I say something to you? And he said, do you know Greek? So he obviously, when he asked the question, asked him in Greek. Aren't you the Egyptian then who recently stirred up a revolt and led the four thousand men of the Assyrians out in the, or assassins, sorry, out into the wilderness? He doesn't even know who he is. Is another case of mistaken identity? Paul says, I'm a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no obscure city. I don't live in the middle of nowhere. I live in an important city in the in this part of the Roman Empire. I beg you, permit me to speak to the people, which he had a right to do. And so when he had given him the permission to Paul, standing on the steps, motioned with his hand to the people. And when, and when there was a great hush, he addressed them in the Hebrew language. Paul was equally facile with both those languages. And so because he had one, the Greek language was the, was the language of commerce in the Roman Empire at this time. And, and the, the Hebrew language was the, the language of the Bible. It should have been the language of the people, but the people had lost some of their Hebrew. It's, 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 he speaks and he says, brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now made before you. The, the, the males are the judges here, the women don't stand in judgment. Um, and when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, that he became even more quiet. Because he's paying homage to that part of his, his heritage. And so he's speaking to the Jews specifically and not to the Greek-speaking people there. He's speaking to a relatively small and, and, and but well-identifiable group of people. And remember, he's come for Passover, so there would have been quite a few people there who would have heard him. But but a lot of those people wouldn't have spoken much Hebrew. They would have spoken primarily Greek. And so he's speaking mostly to the people in and around Jerusalem, because the people who have accused him of, of this blasphemy are people who, who live outside. Remember, they, they lived in Asia, is what we're told. And so their Hebrew probably wasn't very good to be and so he begins to say, I'm a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city in Jerusalem, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, who was the great one of the great two great rabbis of the time, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, which is the Pharisaical side of the, of the understanding of the law. There were two different uh, rabbinic schools at that time, and the, and the school of Gamaliel was the one that was most strict in its um, application of the laws. He says, being zealous for God is all of you are this day. So he's speaking to his guys, right? He's speaking to the people who think like he did, and those would have been people who also spoke Hebrew. He said, I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear witness. 
I received letters from them to the brothers, and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. And then he tells his story that while he was on his way there, a blinding light hit him in the middle of the day, the day and literally blinded him. He fell to the ground, heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you? And then he said to me, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom you're persecuting. This voice from heaven. He says, those people who were with me, they saw the light, but they didn't, couldn't understand the words that were spoken to me. And I said, what do I do? And the Lord said, rise, go into Damascus. There you'll be told all that's appointed for you to do. And since I could not see, because of the brightness of the light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came to Damascus. And then he says, this guy, Ananias, who's uh, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And then he goes on to say, the God of our fathers, our fathers, appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, that's the Messiah, and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you'll be a witness for him to every one of, whom you've, of what you've seen and heard. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. So Paul said, has the same experience that Bartimaeus does, right? Because the Lord sends Ananias to, to cause Paul to recover his sight, and, and then he's supposed to go on his way, but the way that he's to go on now is the Lord's way. It's a complete break from his past, just as Bartimaeus's uh, healing required him to make a complete break with his recent past of being a beggar. Paul is making a break with his past, but not a complete break, as has been suggested, because he says, this is the righteous one, and it's the God of our fathers who has spoken this to you. And so it's important that we pay attention to whose voice we're listening to, and that we go on his way, that we do exactly what Bartimaeus did, exactly what Paul did. They leave the past behind, and they walk forward into the future in the power of the Holy Spirit, but in the way of the Lord, just as David said that he was to do. Take the ark back. It doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God and it belongs to the nation. If God wants to bring me back, that's great. If not, be it done to me according to his will. He recognizes the greatness and the goodness of God. And his trust in the Lord is complete, just as Bartimaeus' was, just as Paul's was, just as ours should be.